the privilege in my life of knowing um, an American singer-songwriter called Rich Mullins. Um, Rich passed away in 1997, but before that he'd written some uh, very powerful Christian songs. If you go to America, Awesome God would be a song that they might sing worship in the way we used to sing Shine Jesus Shine, I guess. Um, uh, there's other things that if you've been in certain churches you might have sung that Rich wrote that you weren't aware of. And uh, we had the privilege of one time he just came to stay where um, I was about to move to live um, near where Heather used to live down on the south side of Dublin. And uh, we got to know Rich a little bit. And um, I think Rich for me was everything Ken Newell taught me about being myself, Rich showed me. And he had this when we went um, in 1993, some of us, three of us friends from uh, Dublin went and traveled around uh, America. We went from, uh, this is strange, if you're American at all, you'll wonder why you would go from Redding, California to Uplands, uh, Indiana. But there were reasons for it. There was a car available from Redding, California to Upland, Indiana, so we drove that car. And during that journey, on two occasions, we, uh, we hung out with Rich. The first time, Navajo Indian Reservation, where he was about to move to, it's not the, the most uh, commercially astute move for a singer-songwriter to decide he wouldn't want to live in Nashville, but he would move to a Navajo Indian reservation. But uh, that was rich. And um, so we were able to spend some time with him there, which was very interesting. And uh, maybe some stories from that will come out in sermons as uh, the weeks and months and years go on. But we also stayed with him then in Wichita, where he had been living. And we were about to end up, as I said, at, um, in Uplands, Indiana, and I knew some of the uh, a youth group from uh, Uplands, Indiana, had stayed with us in Dublin the year before. And I knew that they were mad Rich Mullins fans because it was the same time as Rich was uh, uh, staying. And um, so they said to us, if you're staying with Rich, you've got to get us an autograph. You've got to get us an autograph. So sure enough, as we were leaving um, uh, Wichita, and actually we drove Rich across a few states because he was going to stay um, with his parents who um, were from uh, Ohio, Indiana kind of border area. And uh, I said, Rich, you wouldn't sign these autographs for um, these young fellas in, uh, in Indiana. So he did. And it was really interesting because he signed it, Be Gods. Uh, there's an apostrophe between the D and the S. He wasn't saying that we should become divine. He signed it, Be Gods. And uh, I thought that was interesting, confusing. What on earth is he saying here? And then I discovered that Rich Mullins signed every autograph be gods. And after he passed away, there was a, somebody who knew him and he lived with actually in Wichita, wrote a book about him. And he explained the be gods thing. And Rich thought it was really easy to be good. But God wanted something more from us than that. And that God was actually probably disappointed with the mediocre of good. And he wanted us to be gods. In fact, Rich would probably say that you could be good and not be God's. And I think that's a good way into this particular chapter. Because we are very good people. The Pharisees were not bad people. The Pharisees were people who were keeping the commandments, making up commandments so as they could keep commandments. They were trying their hardest to be good people. But it was very different than being God's people. And I think that's a challenge for us. Some of these laws and rules and regulations that we come to, particularly in chapter 7, but actually, if you start to read the Gospels, you'll find 
that most of the Gospels are this battle between Jesus and the Pharisees over some of the things that seem to be concentrated here on Mark chapter 7. Customs. Little things that you have to do to be included. Things that if you don't do, you'll be excluded. And the Pharisees were very keen to get you excluded. Customs that it wasn't about having your hands clean here. It was more about trying to fence in an identity of the Jewish people. And Jesus was very keen to break down the barriers. To reach out beyond the Jewish people. To include a wider world. And the Pharisees' rules, regulations, and customs. I was thinking about this over the last few days. I'm not going to go into it in detail because she would murder me after the service. But um, we were at a, this farewell last night and it was casual, semi-casual. Is it casual? Is it formal? Is it not casual? Is it, do you wear this? Do you wear that? What do you wear? Can you wear trousers? Should you wear trousers? Or should it be a dress? <laughs> I wore what I always wear. Um, but I started to think about that and, and the problems it gets into and Actually, they tried to do a documentary on some of the students from Deravolgi once. I got this phone call from the BBC and they said, Steve, we're trying to do a documentary on the people that can't get into nightclubs in Belfast. And we thought it'd be a really good one to have a group of Christian, non, um, let me see, non-abusers of alcohol to go towards a nightclub wearing uh, trainers and in a grip and to show that they wouldn't get in because people would look at them in a group wearing what they're wearing and put a stereotype upon them and that the bouncers wouldn't let them in and then that we could say on the BBC, but they were from the Presbyterian Chaplaincy at Queen's. And I said, look, guys, I'm in enough trouble in the Presbyterian Church as it is <laughs> and wearing my trainers to get in a nightclub might cause even more trouble than I've got at this moment in time. But the students went and did it and it was proved. If they went up in groups of five or six, they weren't going to get in. There's customs and laws that we have that exclude people or label people or push people out. And this is what the Pharisees were all about. And Jesus was trying to break these things down. That radical moment in John chapter 14 where Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. is a revolutionary new way to see what it is to live in God's ways. Because it wasn't you have to do it. You're trying your hardest to do it. It was a belonging to God once you become God's. Once you get a relationship with this God, once you connect with this God, then you don't do it because you have to do it. Something begins to change within us and we do it because of this loving journey of faith that we're on. Was that not the rich young ruler's problem too? The rich young ruler, again, good man, trying to keep all the commands. He had even the nerve to say he had, but Jesus said you still lack one thing because his rule keeping was disconnected from the heart of God. It was cold. It was stone tablets that he had a relationship with rather than a relationship with the heart of God. And we find that here, the clean and the unclean, the rituals, the what can go in and what comes out. Then we find it in the story that Janet didn't read near the end of the chapter, 
where we find Jesus with this woman who was not Jewish um, and who would dare to approach him in a time when he was being intimately and uh, surrounded with his friends and would break into that group because she wanted to be included. And even if we want to look at it, and I'm not going to go into it in detail, but if we want to look at that story near the end of the chapter, we find that she contradicts Jesus at one point. She challenges Jesus' response to her. And it's the challenge of response that almost wakens Jesus up to thinking, yes, I'm excluding this woman. And then he says, because of your reply to me, you're healed, or your daughter is healed. And Jesus in that moment realized, even I am putting exclusions in the humanity of Christ, I guess, at that point. And so what about us? Two things. What about our inclusivity? Jose asked on Wednesday night at the AGM, um, what about our Romanian kids? They were back in a vengeance on uh, <laughs> Friday night, which is great. How do we deal with that? In our neighborhood, how do we deal with that population that sometimes will be bursting through the doors of youth club and that causes changes to what you do in youth club because it changes the whole balance of power and everything else in youth club? How are we going to deal? How are we going to include? How are we going to love? those who at this moment in time are strangers. But it's also back to this idea of being not good but God's. Now, I did this at a weekend. I did three talks on it, and at the end they sang a song that said, Steve's telling us to be bad. Steve's telling us to be bad. Steve is telling us all that we should be bad. Of course I'm not doing that. Because Jesus said, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor is yourself, all of the law, But he never said, if you keep all of the law, that that would be the same as loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And I think in Northern Ireland, we have some of these things to think about, because was it not even, and I'm not going to, because this goes out on on the website, so I've got to be careful for libel. And so I'm not going to make any judgments on the little piece of land beside our first minister's house. Uh, that he thinks he sold in the right kind of way. I'm not going to make any judgment because I don't know anything about the law around that or whatever. But what I do find in many times in our public place that we are very keen to say that we're right. And we're very keen to say that because we're right, that's good. And it might be right and good. But is it of God? And it seems to me if you try to think about, well, how can we make a difference if we're doing things for other people, if we're denying ourselves, we're taking up our cross and we're serving others, then it seems to me that we're following Jesus and we're involved in being God's children on earth. And so the judgment is, isn't, am I right? It's, what am I doing with my right? The korban that's mentioned again in this particular chapter was this way that you could, instead of looking after your elderly parents, you could do a wee sneak and you could give your estate to the temple, which meant that while you lived, you didn't have to give anything to your elderly parents. And it was right because it was a custom. And it was, I suppose, they thought, giving to God above earth. But it had become a way that people were doing right customs to abuse their parents. 
to neglect their parents, to break one of the other laws, which was to honor your father and your mother. And we've got to be sure that the things we're doing are not just to give us a self-righteousness, but they're there to feed the world. Was that not a phrase that I used the very first Sunday I came? We want a holiness that doesn't feed our own self-righteousness, but a holiness that feeds the world in whatever needs the world around us have. Are we going to be good? We can do that in Northern Ireland if you want to be good. Give up drinking, smoking, and swearing, and they'll think you're great. But if you want to cross boundaries, whether that's our old traditional sectarian boundaries, or whether that's the new racial boundaries that we're going to have to come up to speed on, then sometimes we're not as quick about doing that because almost like the Pharisees were still trying to maintain our own ethnic identity. This is our country. What are they doing taking our jobs? You hear it all the time. And sometimes it even lurks at the back of our minds for those of us who are called to reach out across the boundaries in the name of Jesus. We might think in the sectarian field, it would be good and rational not to speak to those people until they put their weapons beyond use. It would have been good. Nothing to do with God's way. He said, love your enemy. He said, Father, forgive them even when they don't know what they're doing. It would have been good. People held it up as being good. But it wasn't God's way. Be smart to just put something by for a rainy day. Store up a few securities. Don't store up anything on earth, but store up and invest in heaven. The difference between good and sensible and the ways of Jesus and the gospel are very, very different. And we've got to be sure, particularly in a Northern Ireland that has a tendency to be pharisaical, to make sure that we're not being good, but that we were being radically gods. And to make sure that we're not people who are inclusive of who should hear the gospel, or exclusive in who should hear the gospel. But we go and we want to include in the people of God in Fitzroy the way it's going to be in Revelation when all nations will come together and will worship God, the Lamb who took away the sin of the world, not just the Ulster prods. So as we look at these battles, let's look deep down within our own souls at customs that may be our own, that we may have twisted the Bible to create, that could exclude. And make sure that deep down that our holiness is not a relationship with tablets of stone, but is a relationship and a reflection of the vibrant, loving, reaching out heart of God. And if we make our decisions from the vibrant, loving, reaching out 
heart of God, then we don't have to look at the minutiae of the law because we'll keep it by the power of the Spirit working within us. So I said on Wednesday night, just to close, be good if we start it in time. It's not a customer a law. I said on Wednesday night at the AGM that we should be in church as much as we can, not using it as a customer a law. On the night that I was installed here, we closed the back of the church. I'm not making a judgment on this, by the way. I'm just using it as an example because there was a bit of noise going on outside and some of our friends got to the door and couldn't get in. And we were embarrassed about that. It was a shame that strangers came and they couldn't get in. People have left services in the last few months, not because they couldn't get in, but because very near the starting time of the service, there was nobody else here and they felt uncomfortable. So when I say that it's good that we start in time, I'm speaking missionally. I'm speaking out of the reaching out heart of God that people, when they come into our building, thinking they should be here in time. You see, if we're exclusive and it's just about Fitzroy, I think it's pretty cool that we're always late. But it's not exclusive and just about Fitzroy. It's about those who will come and join us and feel welcomed among us and find the Jesus that we believe in and trust in. And so I'm asking us, me included, let's be here in time to welcome those who will come to join us. And it was interesting that my friend David Montgomery, who's minister in Greystones, south of Dublin, a good long distance from here, at his AGM, he said to his congregation, if you're not here, the body of Christ is diminished. Not only the body of Christ to worship is diminished, but as people come in from the outside to see what the body of Christ is, they see a diminished body of Christ. It's not rules and regulations that I ask us to commit to these things. It's because I've seen people come and leave and some not come back again as a result of the fact that we were just a little bit lax in thinking about them rather than ourselves. I told Stephen Orr when he got married, I don't want you to have a good marriage. I want you to have God's marriage. And I say still in the early days of this ministry, I don't want to have a good ministry here. I want to have God's ministry here. I don't want a good people. I want God's people. And when we see the difference between the holiness of the Pharisees and the law and the vibrant, loving holiness of a God who came down to earth and died on a cross and was raised again from us if we live as God's people. Then I think we'll see people around us looking to this Jesus and finding this Jesus as we pray that we will. They will. Let's pray together. Our God, it's easy for the devil to distract us from the holiness of God onto little rules that we make up or even lift above loving our neighbors as ourselves, loving our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, even loving our enemies. 
And so we pray, God, that we would not fall for mediocrity. We would not fall for being good, but that we would long to seek and find what it is to be God's people in the 21st century in the city of Belfast. And what that's going to mean as we look around us to see who it is that we need to welcome in, that we need to reach out for to, that we need to reveal Christ to, not just in the words that we speak, but in the way we love them and bring them in to the heart of God. Lord, again, as we pray so many times, give us the power of the Spirit, the courage of the Spirit, the discernment of the Spirit, and the sensitive love of the Spirit to be your people in this city in the week that is to come. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.